2: hey welcome into thursday's podcast your boy doug gottlieb here i, I want to discuss why i think michael jordan is a scorpion in a second uh quick promo brandon Weeden to join us we we'll got some interesting stuff with him some tony romo talk um we'll, we'll talk some Dak as well marcellus wiley dat dude on his clippers on the doc the last dance documentary on the nfl season plus ken rosenthal will we have a major league baseball season if so how many games but first my thoughts on uh Why we can't really relate to Michael Jordan. Boom! What up America? Doug Gottlieb show. Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're ready for a great Memorial Day weekend. Hope it's hot. Hope it's sunny. Hope wherever you are, they're starting to open up some bars and restaurants and you have yourself a good time. With your family. Doug Gottlieb show rolls on. Brandon Wheaton will join us in 25 minutes. One hour uh, and 20 minutes away from that dude's Marcellus Wiley. We'll ask him, we'll ask them both, about the reported contract that Dak Prescott supposedly turned down. Five years, 175. He did what? Ken Rosenthal will join us as well. MLB on Fox and The Athletic. And we'll figure out uh, whether or not, when we're going to have a Major League Baseball season. Because it does feel like we're on a path now. We're on a path now to having professional sports. Uh, There's some analytics that tell you that Dak Prescott's the best deep ball passer. I will give you my reaction to that upcoming. You'll hear from Nick Wright on the show from First Things First. And um, what people don't seem to understand about Cam Newton and why he doesn't currently have a job. But let me start with this. We continue to get reactions from the last dance. Last night they replayed game five of the 1998 NBA Finals. Game six, excuse me game six of the 1998 NBA Finals. Um, the replay was on ESPN, but they used the voices from NBC and calling the game was uh, calling the game was Bob Costas along with Isaiah Thomas and Doug Collins with uh, David Aldrich as the sideline. No, excuse me. uh, Who was the sideline reporter? Ahmad Rashad was the sideline reporter. They, 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 they didn't always use the game angle. It was a little hard to watch at times. Frankly, it wasn't what I thought it would be. I thought it would be, there would be a little bit more telling audio and video you know, the the pregame, the halftime, what was actually said in both locker rooms. Instead, it was, I don't know, it was just okay. It's okay. But what continues to happen, though, is we get reaction from people who have watched all 10 episodes of The Last Dance. Horace Grant said, basically called it a fake documentary. Scottie Pippins ticked. Uh... Even the the owner of the Bulls, Jerry Reinsdorf, not happy with what Michael Jordan had to say in his facial reaction in the 10th episode. Luke Longley wasn't interviewed. I'm sure he's not happy about that. But basically, the only guys that seem to be happy are Steve Kerr, who was lionized. And they told his incredibly gut wrenching story about the loss of his father and Michael Jordan, who believes he divulged some dirty little secrets. And was uh, vulnerable before the camera. I'm not sure if that's how it was received. Isaiah's ticked. Pippin's ticked. Uh, horse Grant's ticked. Right. Anybody else? Okay. Jerry Reinsdorf. And I've determined exactly what's taken place here. We're 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 mad at Scotty for not taking back the fact that he didn't want to go into the game. We're upset at Isaiah because Isaiah's like, yo, look, I was the best point guard in the league, best one of the best players in the league. I won two titles. And Isaiah not taking back that he didn't shake hands. We're upset at these guys for the way in which they handle themselves because it's not out of the handbook for how we feel normal human beings should react. And I think people are most kind of, befuddled by Michael Jordan. Here's a guy who has everything, won everything, owns an NBA team, owns the title for, for the most part of greatest player of all time. And and instead of simply celebrating the victories, he's settling old scores in a document, a 10 part documentary series, right? But that's because we don't realize that Michael Jordan can't stop being Michael Jordan. Isaiah Thomas can't stop being Isaiah Thomas. Scotty Pippen can't stop being Scotty Pippen. Like, what does that mean? I thought of this fable. You guys ever heard the scorpion and the frog fable? Uh, The scorpion can't swim. So the scorpions on the side of a, of a river bank and a frog comes hopping along and the scorpion asks the frog for a ride across the river because the frogs are after all amphibious frog hesitates. He's afraid to be stung by the scorpion. But the scorpion says, if he did that, they'd both drowned. Right? If I sting you, we both go down. So the frog says, hmm, it's an interesting argument. Seems sensible. And he agrees to transport the scorpion across the river. Midway across the river, the scorpion stings the frog anyway, dooming them both. The dying frog asks the scorpion why he stung the frog, knowing that, the consequence would be both of them would perish. What did the scorpion say? I couldn't help it. It's in my nature. I'm a scorpion. We, we want Michael Jordan to be something that he's not. We want Michael Jordan to, 22 years later, say, you know, I was a little rough on the guys. It should have been nicer. You know, Jerry Krause did a hell of a job. It should have been nicer. You know, Jerry Reinsdorf, he he did pay me all that money. And there is a bottom line element to it. Maybe we could have won kind of seventh. Maybe we couldn't have. Who knows? Things happen for a reason. Because that's how normal human beings think. That's how, you know, the reaction of not stinging a frog who's giving you a ride across the river is how normal animals think. But Michael Jordan wouldn't be Michael Jordan if he didn't want to win every game. And you can't tell somebody who wants to win every game, hey, he want you to win every game, but you can't win every game even after it's played. He, he wants to win the argument, the game, the dice game, the card game, the golf game. Throwing quarters with security guards. He wants to have the best suit, the best car, the best shoes the best earrings. You can't simply turn that off. You just can't just like the scorpion couldn't turn off who the scorpion was. Isaiah Thomas, this is who he's been his entire life. Right. Why don't you love me? Why don't you accept me? Even in Indiana, right? Like one of the things I I think underlying is that in Chicago where he's from, They like Jordan more because Jordan played for their Chicago Bulls and he, a city guy who went out and played for a, a Catholic school in the suburbs, suddenly got forgotten as a Chicago guy. And then in Indiana where he won a national title, he's not as beloved as Larry Bird. And I'm sure he believes it's because Larry Bird's white and he may have something to that. After all, Larry Bird was the one that quit Indiana basketball. Remember that? But Isaiah could get no love there. Isaiah could get no love from the dream team. Isaiah would say and do things which would cause even his friends to say, what the hell? And he didn't understand then and he doesn't understand now. Do you know why? Because he's Isaiah Thomas. We look at these guys and we think they're wired like normal human beings. They wouldn't be able to compartmentalize all the stress, all the noise, all the discussion. The pressure, normal people, normal people can't use that criticism and constantly succeed. They can't. At some point it beats you up. At some point you become insecure unless you're wired like Michael Jordan. You're wired like differently, like Scottie Pippen. You're wired differently like Isaiah Thomas. Uh, Even Phil Jackson, right? Who's, you know, like a hippie and a Buddhist and has all these... But, like, look, his reaction to his boss and the demands. And, hey, man, before he even got to that last season where Jerry Krause said if he went 82-0, and he wouldn't have the job, Jerry Krause offered him a 10-year contract. Why didn't he take it? Because he's not wired like the rest of the world. These guys are scorpions. They don't know any better. It's just in their nature. All right, I got some... uh, do you guys hear Carmelo? This actually kind of adds to it. Uh, to me, it adds to it. This is Carmelo. It's about a minute long. Um, ESPN has this. He wasn't in the documentary, but this is an E60 where they tracked down Carmelo and they asked him what came to his mind when he heard the name Michael Jordan.
6: So when I say the name Michael Jordan,
8: what comes to mind?
2: Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan.
9: Well, what? Is- uh, like what else I need to say? Thank you. Go ahead.
8: To talk to me
9: about the game six finals in Utah when he stole the ball. Why? Why do I have to? But I tell you this I'm all man and I accept the responsibility for not winning one, and we was there. We just happened to be playing the Chicago Bulls, which wasn't just Michael Jordan, by the way. And I have the utmost respect for Michael, but I never thought I was playing Michael Jordan. I was playing the Chicago Bulls. You know, everybody say this person was a bad man and all that. Well, yes, I give them respect. I'm a man, and I was a bad s*** too. So that's how I look at that, and and that's who I am. Maybe in my older years, I can call it that bluntly, but I'm just calling it like I see it.
2: Yeah, I don't know if he called it as bluntly as he thought he called it bluntly, but I do get it. I was a bad boy. He was a bad boy. I take responsibility for not winning, but it wasn't just Jordan. It was the entirety of their team. Uh, The last game would actually go counter to that because Jordan had more points than the rest of his team combined. Still, if you want to know why you can't just communicate like a regular human being, right? It's because he's he's a scorpion. He's wired differently. I won't say anything positive about Michael Jordan or negative about Michael Jordan. I just say I respect him. But I want respect by my name. I was a bad boy too. You're like, what? Huh? That wasn't really the question. If you're searching for an answer that a normal human being would give you, you're not going to get it from Carl Malone because you can't change somebody's internal wiring and make them say what you think most people would say. They're not most people. Brandon Weed will join us upcoming in 20 minutes, but coming up next, there's a stat out there that says, Dak Prescott is the best deep ball passer in the NFL. I'll tell you what my thoughts are next.
3: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: Hey, are you traveling
2: to one of the big conference tourneys in Nashville or Minneapolis this March? Well, you should do yourself a favor and do what I do, which is stay at Graduate Hotels. You know, Bridgestone Arena and Target Center, their their hotels are both really close to the tournament venues, and they're obsessed with college sports just like me. Each Graduate Hotel is like a shrine to its hometown and the local college team, but in a good way. Lots of cool details for alumni, vintage sports throwbacks. Remember, you can book today, and here's how you do so. 30% off with the promo code Doug at graduatehotels.com.
10: What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from the Bobby Bones Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
2: All right, there's there's NFL next-gen stats. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. I I don't want to sit here and sound like Charles Barkley and tell you that analytics... Don't actually tell the truth, right? I, I used to be on a show. There used to be a show on ESPN called Numbers Never Lied. Do you guys remember that show? Right, mm-hmm. um, man, I if you guys ever liked TV Story Time, like I would, I actually liked the show a lot. Originally, it was uh, Michael Smith, and uh, who else was it? Man, it's Michael Smith and. A bunch of other, frankly, a bunch of other people. And it was the idea was you'd have an athlete. you have a numbers nerd, you know, like a research guy from ESPN, and then michael smith and and a co-host. And I used to actually guest host that show a bunch. They're trying to figure it out. And then Mike and Jamel became part of that show, and then it grew and it became his and hers. And, yeah, I kind of kick myself. I think Michael Smith's a tremendous talent. I do. um. I think he's still getting paid to not work over there. It's a good gig. If I can get that gig, anybody wants to pay me to not work, you'd let me know. Uh, not, not like a six month thing. I'd like like a three or four year thing to not work. But the thing about the the, the, the premise to numbers never lie was, you know, there's always a number of guy come back going, no, 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 the numbers tell you, but, but they do lie. They just do plus minus in an NBA game. For example, what was when you came in, who was in with you? what was the situation? You know, is the last five minutes of a blowout last five minutes of a blowout. A lot of times the plus minus can only depend upon who's in the game and teams can close the gap hit like three threes late and change things dramatically. There's parts to all sports analytics, especially football and basketball, which don't really line up. They have this best deep ball passers and Dak Prescott, is is based upon their analysis, the best deep ball passer in the NFL. Russell Wilson, two. Pat Mahomes, three. Tom Brady, four. Kyler Murray, five. Keish, uh, Deshaun Watson, six. Kirk Cousins, seven. Ryan Fitzpatrick, eight. Matt Ryan, nine. And Baker Mayfield, ten. Um, look, I'm going to come across as a Dak Prescott hater, But in no solar system, especially this one, is Dak Prescott the best deep ball thrower in the NFL. By the way, Aaron Rodgers is on this list. He's got an unbelievable arm. He's ridiculously uh, accurate. And when he has some, part of it is the calculation for how often did he throw? How open was the guy? Pat Mahomes is third? Come on, man. I understand the big ball, the, the the big pass that he completed to Tyreek Hill in the Super Bowl was behind him, and Tyreek Hill had to come back for the football. But that's a big play offense with a big play offensive arm. Carson Wentz isn't on this. Carson Wentz throws, throws a great deep ball. It, it it's not his fault that, that the receivers drop it or that the receivers were dropping like flies because they were all injured. Like there just comes a common sense element to it. Sometimes stats will tell you things that you might've missed like, huh? Didn't know that. That's interesting. I, I, I will absolutely give you that Dak may be better at throwing the ball deep down the field than we give him credit for. But part of the issue with Dak is, was, and has always been not just his accuracy, but he doesn't like to take chances and push the ball down the field and throw the ball up. Right. That was what happened with Des Bryant. Why Des Bryant fell out of favor. Because he wouldn't give Des a chance. And Romo's up there in the booth saying, just give him a chance. Throw the ball up to him. I mean, it's it's not that hard to go, hey, where's Matt Stafford? Where's Aaron Rodgers? Where's Carson Wentz? I'm, I mean, Matt Ryan's down at the bottom. Oh, okay. Okay, plays in a dome. Don't know about his arm or whatever. You know, I know they don't have Drew Brees. Because Drew Brees, everything within the line of scrimmage. Flacco was a great deep ball thrower. Granted, he got hurt. He's been a shell of himself, and you're using last year's stats. But there's plenty of options here of guys that are better deep ball throwers. And oh, yeah, by the way, when you look at the way in which they put together the analytics, they're not actually doing completion percentage or quarterback rating. They're formulating it based upon something that they think they saw and they know. Like, how can we create some sort of analytics outlier to make dak prescott the best deep ball thrower even though nobody in the nfl thinks he's a great deep ball thrower look the 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 report on dak prescott is he can't throw the ball deep down the field now, he does have a does have a good arm he's not crazy accurate especially when he goes through his progressions and he doesn't throw people open the way that the best of the best of the best do he just doesn't He's athletic, but not a freak. He's strong, but not Cam Newton. He throws the ball deep down the field, but not as accurate as a Rogers or a Russell Wilson or a Pat Mahomes, you know, and to compare him and, and what, what's, what next gen stats are supposed to do is take away the factors. Like you don't have a great running game or don't have a great wide receiving core that would propel Carson Wentz and Matt Stafford towards the top of that list. Just ask somebody. I mean, heck, He's not crazy accurate, but Josh Allen throws a great deep ball. Great. Just doesn't always throw it to the right guy. Stats lie. Especially ones that are manipulated to tell you something that the purveyor of it wants to be true.
3: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
2: Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. My man Brandon Whedon joins us. Um, Brandon, have you seen these next-gen stats? About, uh, Dak, it says, Dak Prescott, best deep ball thrower in the NFL. Um, and they have an interesting kind of calculation. When you think of Dak Prescott, do you think of his ability to push the ball down the field?
11: I don't. Uh, I wouldn't consider him one of the better ones. I mean, you know, he, he's made some big plays, especially once Amari Cooper came on board. Obviously, he gave him that threat down the field. Um, he throws a good deep ball. He's, he's a fairly accurate deep ball thrower. Um, you know, when I think deep ball, I think like guys like Russell Wilson and those guys that, you know, just dropped dimes, and, you know but uh yeah i mean he's he's a good thrower of the deep ball um you can't argue with stats i guess
2: yeah i, I mean i think you actually can <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean yeah, you well. can Be- because their calculation is based upon how open a guy is how how you know it's like they're almost giving you credit for close misses they are factoring in qbr but he doesn't have the best qbr of those guys like there's a bunch i don't know when right. i th- when i think of the- throwing the ball down the field uh Rodgers is crazy accurate on his ability to ball. Wentz has a huge arm. Stafford has a huge arm. Um, Russell Wilson's amazing. I, I don't think he has nearly the wide receiving core. He's second on this list. And then you have Pat Mahomes. Um, I, I feel like those are the guys, and and Deshaun Watson more so than than Dak. Am I am I wrong on any of those names in terms of reputation?
11: No, I, I think those guys all, in my opinion, are, are better deep ball throwers those guys in my opinion are the, are the elite um deep ball passers you know and i you can argue that like you said all of those guys have a pretty good threat down the field so they may push it down the field a little more but yeah i mean i again i you know what deshaun is a perfect example rogers we talked we talked about him last week I and mean, i think he's one of the premier throwers but particularly deep ball he can he can get it out there um there, you know there's it's There's funny. There's a lot of guys that come to mind before I think of Dak. They sure. they have
2: Ryan Fitzpatrick as 8th on this list like Ryan Fitzpatrick does not have a great arm. Right. right. Like it takes everything in his power <laughs> to get the ball 30, 40 yards down the field. Like he look, don't get me wrong, he's awesome with his ability to come off the bench, be a starter and just figure out a way to do Fitz magic, but it it's a it's a gross mischaracterization to say Ryan Fitzpatrick is a good deep ball thrower. That's probably the weakest part of his game.
11: Yeah, you know, I I think to counter your point though. I think you know, when you, when a, as a quarterback, when you're thinking a deep ball, if you're let's say in the shotgun, you catch a snap. It's a it's a it's a solid three step drop, and then you're trying to throw the ball between 45 and 48 yards. And I, I think everybody every quarterback in the league could do that. So, you know, you kind of have a bucket out there where you know you try to hit in a certain spot. You know that could change. The guy's pressed, doesn't get a good release. He meant to throw it 40 yards, but you know you're never really throwing a deep ball, a go route per se. Standard drop back beyond 45 48 yards now play action is a little bit different um you know it takes a little longer to develop a little bit and it may be a crossing route or something like that um so you know arm arm strength is really not i mean yeah it factors in i think every quarterback in the league has strong enough arm to make any kind of deep throw they need to for the most part um so i I think it's more accuracy um completion percentage you know guys you know percentage of of catchable balls stuff like that you know accurate type throws um, needs to be factored in more, but like I said, just a standard drop back go route in the NFL. You know, I'm looking at that 45 yard line mark to to try to drop it in there, and and uh, all those guys we talked about can do that. And I and I think there's several guys that can do that, in my opinion, better than Dak.
2: I, I I didn't prep you for this. We just come on. We want to talk ball with you, but I I actually do have some stuff I haven't I haven't necessarily asked you. Um, uh, for people remember, Brandon Weeden started as a rookie. Uh, with the Cleveland Browns by year three, you're with the, you signed a uh, a deal to be the backup with the Cowboy Dallas Cowboys behind Tony Romo. What, what was, well, if you had to describe to somebody, I know as a viewer of football, what I thought of Tony Romo, you worked with him. You're in, that, in those meeting rooms every day. You saw him kind of running around back before he got hurt. And, and you had, you started, what was, what's what was Tony Romo like as a quarterback?
11: Yeah. You know, he's going to beat you with his mind. Um, you know, his his instincts were great, but I wouldn't consider him just an elite athlete. He unbelievable instincts in the pocket, those types of things. But he is X's and O's wise and, and breaking down a defense. I'm not sure I've been around a quarterback that, that has that wherewithal. I mean, he's – I tell people all the time, I mean, you know, we used to do quarterback uh, 11 or 7-on-7 seven seven camp when I was with the Cowboys. He would always want to coach defense. If he went back and got in the coaching game, he would probably prefer to be on the defensive side of the ball because he understands that side so well. Um, so he just – he knew – he wanted everything to be a cat and mouse game because he felt he felt like it was a chess match between him and the defensive coordinator every single game, I and mean, you could tell. I mean, he he controlled a lot of stuff with line of scrimmage, um, you know, getting in and out of plays. There'd be times where, you know, a two minute drill, um, Scott him would be like, "Tony, you take it," and he would call plays. He would do it, you know, just kind of off the off the cuff there. So, brilliant quarterback, um, you know, again like the Armstrong doesn't have the biggest arm, got, got plenty of arm, um, but very accurate, unbelievable where uh, where it's all in the pocket. Um, but his smarts, I mean, he's, you know, he played for a long time. He got a lot of starts and all that. But from what I hear, if you listen to Jason Wooden talk, Tony kind of had that when he came in the league. I mean, he just, he was always a little sharper, um, in the, in the head and the mental game of, of playing quarterback. And I saw it firsthand. He was, I, di- I didn't ask a whole lot of questions cause he was busy, you know, doing his deal and he had the back issues and, you know, he had his own schedule there. But at the same time, anytime I got a chance to pick his brain, uh, I didn't. I didn't shy away from it.
2: Brandon Whedon, our guest in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Taysom Hill is the heir apparent in New Orleans. And you have a lot of people like, Taysom Hill, he's barely throwing seven passes or whatever. Um, he was an unbelievable dual-threat quarterback when he was at BYU. He just got hurt all the time. He, he's been made into this kind of gadget player with New Orleans, but they believe in him. My sense is, and if you, you know this, and I'll just – uh, you know, but, the, but maybe the listener doesn't, you know, Sean Payton, of the people he discovered, like he was the one responsible for drafting Tony Romo. So he's the one saying Taysom Hill should be our heir apparent. Do you think that's crazy that a guy who's thrown so few passes, 30 years old, can morph into a starting quarterback with his style in the NFL? Uh,
11: my- I, hate to, I don't want to be on the fence here, but the jury's still out, right? I mean, the guy hasn't thrown many passes. I mean, we know what he can do run the ball. We know what he can do as an athlete, um, you know. But if anybody knows, it's, it's Sean Payton because he's there. You know, Taysom's running those those scout team reps. I mean, he's one getting all you know making all the throws. So he must see something, you know. And and I think he's a very talented player, very um, very valuable to any football team with what he can do, but. I think the jury's still out. I mean, I think he's a guy that has a, has a large, a very high ceiling because he's got, he's got a bunch of ability. Um, but as a thrower, um, I mean,
12: I, I don't know. I truly don't
11: know because I haven't seen him throwing enough passes to make a, to make any kind of, you know, judgment on that. But um, again, Sean Payton is really good at what he does. He's good with quarterbacks. He's good in all, on an, as an offensive play caller. So he sees something. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue against him. I think he's, He's uh, he feels like he's got a kind of a diamond in the rough there.
2: Tom Brady's got his guys out already running routes, uh starting to kinda of learn an offense from them, morph it into his own offense. Um, I mean, obviously you like anybody who wants to connect, but is this happening all around the league or is that special just to Tampa?
11: Um, you know, I, I would have to imagine that you know, there's there's guys out there that are that are getting their you know, maybe not the entire wide receiver core deep, as far as the young guys, but it, you know, whatever guys can make it to whatever facility. You know, it, it's hard because unless those guys live, you know, in that city, if they they live elsewhere in the in the off season, it's probably pretty tough for them to get to those workouts. But um, yeah, I mean, I would I would have to assume, you know, whatever the you know, there's limitations you can do, but I would have to say that quarterbacks are kind of pushing the limits to try to get together because you know, once they do open the doors and they start working, you know, we already we already cut short. They already cut short, you know, a couple months, so. It's. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if, if the majority of the guys, especially the veteran quarterbacks, are getting with their guys and and trying to, uh, you know, again get as many reps as you can before before training camp.
2: What's your takeaway from the last dance? I know you're a huge hoops fan. Were you a Jordan or a LeBron guy before the last dance, Eric?
11: I was a Jordan fan. Um, I always argued for it. You know, I was always the old guy in the locker room, so a lot of the young guys really didn't see Jordan play growing up. So. I always kind of had his back, but, you know, I was always a Jordan fan. And, you know, after watching it, I think I'm more of a Jordan fan. I mean, he, uh, I mean, the guy was a stone cold killer. He, he had that, uh, that killer, killer instinct, killer mentality. And, you know, he was tough on his, on his, uh, teammates, but at the same time, I think they respected that because, you know, the wins and, and all the good stuff. But, man, it was a, it was a heck of a documentary. I, again, I've watched it a couple times each episode and, and, um, Man, I I couldn't get enough
2: of it. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't either. I mean, I'm I'm a Jordan fan and some of the things uh, kind of reinvigorated my memory. Um did you have you was there anybody you played that had that type of you know it's called a force multiplier, right? That's uh, that's one of the expressions. Did you play with anybody who had that type of magnetism and yet that type of persona in terms of his pursuit of winning in the NFL?
11: Yeah, I mean, maybe not the quarterback. I mean, Tony had a little bit of that. He led a different way. Um, I would say Jason may maybe one of the closer guys. I mean, when Jason, when Jason talked, guys listened. shoot sure coaches listened. I mean, he was, he, uh, he was one of the guys when you showed up to work out, you're like, man, I, I don't want to let that guy down. I mean, you're, you're, when you go out and play, you're like, I don't want to let Witten down, you know, and, and he, and he didn't have to do a whole lot. He was a very good leader, very, but he had that, that aura about him that, you know, He's a Hall of Famer. Everybody knows that. He's one, he's one of the best tight ends of all time. Everybody knows that. Um and you know, workouts, you know, didn't matter. Walkthroughs, it didn't matter. Everybody's dialed in because, you know, everybody knew who Witten was. I mean, whether it was practice or game, he was gonna be he was gonna be at his best. And you know, I think it kind of rubbed off on a lot of a lot of players, especially young players.
2: Who do you like? Uh do you like what it's uh Mickelson and who's now who's Mickelson with? Now Mickelson and Tiger it's going out. Brady, it. right? Mickelson yeah, Brady Brady. Mickelson Brady. Or Manning and uh, and Tiger, who do you like?
11: I mean, I think Tiger and Tiger and Peyton are going to win. I, I I just think Tiger's playing was well, playing pretty good golf, and I, I from what I understand, Peyton may be a, a few shots better than than uh, Tom. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with with my my favorite all time football player and Peyton Manning, and, and uh, my favorite golfer of all time, Tiger Woods. Why is why is why is
2: Peyton your favorite football player of all time as a quarterback? Yeah. Why?
11: I don't know. I, I grew up watching him. You know, when he was with the Colts, I watched him play a ton of ball. I, for some reason, I think way maybe the way he carried himself, um, kind of the way he he did it. I mean, at the time, he was the best quarterback in, in the game, in my opinion. And um, just I don't know the way the way he controlled the game, went to a lot of scrimmage, made all the checks, did all that stuff. I mean, you know, that's not as easy as, as people make it look, or as he makes it look. And you know, I, I don't know. I was always just kind of drawn to him, and then got a chance to meet him for the first time uh, my junior year in college. And, you know, became more of a fan. He's, he's
2: unbelievable a first, guy.
11: First class dude. Unbelievable Un, guy.
2: Unbelievable, unbelievable guy. Like funny, affable dudes, dude, you know, not over yeah. the top in any way. Unbelievable dude. And it is interesting. You know, there was a good portion of time there when people were like, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. And now it's like, he's not even part of the discussion now. It's like Brady and Aaron Rodgers, And that's it. Like we don't, we never talk about far. Favre was awesome, different era, different style, but, but Peyton was, was the quarterbacks quarterbacks for so long, but I I guess it's because Brady's teams won here late. That that's the that's the logic behind it.
11: Yeah, I mean I, I it comes down to rings. I think for a lot of people, and you know it's kind of the flavor of of this time. You know people people are, they want what's what's good for them now, and I think you know Brady's been good as of late. You know these guys that are playing now have been good as of late. But um, I mean you got to put in, in your top five. I put him in my top three, but um, yeah, Peyton. You know he's funny. Uh, he's hilarious. Actually, you sit around and you have a couple beers with him, and he gets telling stories. Man, it's—I uh, mean, your stomach hurts. You're laughing so hard. He's—he's he's a trip. Great guy, and the whole family is. Eli's the same way as brother Cooper, Archie. They're all great. But uh, yeah, in my opinion, um, one of my favorite quarterbacks to ever play the game.
2: Awesome stuff. B, have a great Memorial Day weekend. Welcome to summer, and thanks for joining us. All right, buddy. Thanks. Brad Wheaton, join us in the Discover Card guest hotline. Get your free credit scorecard today. Even if you're not a Discover customer, include includes your FICO credit score. And checking your scorecard won't hurt your credit. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard limitations apply. Another docu-series about the GOAT. I'll share the details with you next.
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
1: Hey, are you
2: traveling to one of the big conference tourneys in Nashville or Minneapolis this March? Well, you should do yourself a favor and do what I do, which is stay at Graduate Hotels. You know, Bridgestone Arena and Target Center, their their hotels are both really close to the tournament venues. And they're obsessed with college sports just like me. Each Graduate Hotel is like a shrine to its hometown and the local college team, but in a good way. Lots of cool details for alumni, vintage sports throwbacks. Remember, you can book today, and here's how you do so. 30% off with the promo code Doug at graduatehotels.com.
4: So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more. When you visit buyaToyota.com, Toyota. Let's go places. So I, I, I posted something
2: online. 1999, we played Syracuse in the NCAA tournament, and uh, I posted online. It was Bill Raftery and Sean McDonough on the call. Michelle Tafoya on the sidelines is in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, it's fascinating to me. I I haven't watched the whole film. It was sent to me yesterday. A friend of mine sent it to me via text. And it was just the intro and they talked about how I used to wear my shoes it, it was reported as two sizes too small. It's again it became like a thing of folklore, right? So I am a 12 eh, I could, could I wear some shoes you could wear a 12 and a half. I'm a 12. And my shoes in college generally were 11s. I I had worn a 10 and a half. I might even worn my brother's tens one time. And people have asked me and, and in the pregame report, Michelle Tafoya said, I like to do it because it cuts off my circulation. And that makes me play better. Like that, that, and look, when you've done, now that I've done an NCAA term, I know how this works. You're prepping for eight different teams or whatever in a, in a regional. So that was something that was written, but it was tongue in cheek. The real reason I like my shoes small was I'm a younger brother. I'm the baby brother. I always got hand-me-downs as a kid. And so once I got to the free shoe age, right? Once you become kind of a basketball player, and you get free shoes. You start to get free shoes and you you're your 14, 15. Like the last thing I ever want is somebody else's shoes, which were always too big. So I got to be like, I like them super snug. And I don't know, at some point I would, I was wearing 11 and a half. So we're really tight. And somebody gave me a pair of 11s and they were super, super tight and I played well in them and I felt like I was faster or quicker in them. So I just started wearing 11s. Now the shoes would rip all the time because they're just too much torque. You know, kind of like what happened, not as bad as what happened to Zion, but that sort of thing. Anyway, it's always fascinating this many years later, everyone I know or thinks I think uh, things they know me said they were at the shorts on backwards game. Same year. And they all want to know, why would you wear your short shoes two sizes too small? Technically, it was one full size too small. You could go two sizes if you count it. A- Do you count a half size as a size? I don't know. That's like the old, hey, you go up six lights and you take a right. Do you count the first light? I'm not really sure. Let's get to a game. game time! This
3: is Game Time. It's
6: Game Time. On
3: the Doug Gottlieb Show.
13: Dan
5: by Buyer. Byer. All right, Doug, the game today is? Guess who? All right, Doug, guess who says that he will mentor his new rookie teammates in the quarterback room while adding that his neck hair right now is crazy?
2: Aaron Rodgers. No. Ooh, neck hair right now is crazy. Neck hair is crazy. Uh... Hmm. Rookie neck quarterback is... rookie who would quarterback.
5: have crazy neck hair.
2: No, no, he's going to mentor a rookie yeah. quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah,
5: yeah, that is correct. Fitzpatrick making the comments today. You don't have some clippers. <laughs> That's what I don't understand. <laughs> I understand not having a a haircut because you don't want to mess it up. But what razors? Nobody has Listen, a razor anymore. I'm, I'm going to
2: tell you right now. Okay, so I uh, I'm a big uh, I'm not a big body hair guy, and as you get older, I, I developed a little bit of body hair. Uh, we do a sponsorship with Manscaped, or whatever. Uh, that that thing is awesome. That thing is awesome, and uh, my neck—I got my son line up my neck like once a week. Once a week, he's going through a shaggy stage. I—I I, the kid usually likes it tight on the sides. Maybe it's because he's surfing and he sees all these surfers. But I'm like, dude, you gotta you gotta clean up. But a clean neck—that's <coughs> what we should call these big basketball games, not big football games. Clean neck games. You can't go into a big sporting event with a dirt with a with a hairy neck. Guess who guess th- is getting their own nine part series on espn next year tom brady
5: yeah yes it's entitled my life as a buccaneer no it's uh gonna
2: be the man in the arena
5: <laughs> yes that is what it is documenting did we just have a, a, a- yeah this is- i thought this is wasn't there the uh the 199 one of him being drafted when he went through all the quarterbacks that were ahead of him yeah yeah, so this is going to be uh, how he entered uh, each one of his nine Super Bowls, and what went on, I guess, during that season and during those games. That uh, that going to be next year. Guess who Doug is, an NFL head coach that basically said his team would start the season with a running back by committee approach.
2: Ooh,
5: uh, probably had some changes to the position. Maybe. Oh,
2: oh, uh, uh, what's his name? Denver. No. Uh, no. Jets. No. Ooh. Think close to home. Oh, Chargers. No. Oh, oh Rams. Rams. Yeah. Sean McVay. Yes, yeah, Sean McVay. Yeah. Who is? I should have formed in form of a question. Who is Sean McVay? It was Sean McVay, yes. He would be the head coach that
5: basically said the team would start the season with a running back Anybody by but
2: Todd Gurley, that's that's what yeah. they said.
5: Cam Akers, they drafted him. Uh, Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson also in that uh, running back's
2: room. The drafting against Cam Akers is basically like, look, Florida State sucked. If this kid was good. He just yeah, couldn't he,
5: overcome their suckage. He was a stud coming out of high school. A <laughs> uh, guess who, Doug, said today to TMZ that it would be, quote, awesome, end quote, to have a Tyson-Holyfield rematch.
2: Uh,
5: Tyson? Yeah. Yes, there it is. Mike Tyson saying as much. So this thing, you know, we've seen all these Tyson working out videos and trying to get back in. But Would you a- buy it? Oh, yeah, probably.
2: I know. We'd all buy it. We'd all sit there and go, why do we buy this thing? Tyson,
5: 53. Evander Holyfield, 57. Uh- I Evander mean,
2: Holyfield can't put a sentence together anymore. Mike Tyson, obviously. Well, I mean, he was never the same after he went to jail for rape. And Holyfield, in his prime, kicked the hell out of him. It was bad. Um, now Tyson's probably better than him, but it's, you know, they're not, I don't know. Like, once you get to be a senior citizen and they're close, 53 years old, right? That's what Tyson is? Like, 55 is a senior citizen. You can't go in a ring when you're a senior <laughs> citizen, can you? That's game,
5: huh? Game
3: this is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show.
2: My, Mike Tyson fighting at 53 is like that Chris Rock line. You can drive a car with your feet, doesn't make it a good idea. We all need to accept something about the return of college sports. It's next.
3: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
0: Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts.
10: Heteracs are the primary cause of avoidable blindness.
0: He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly,
10: patients who can see.
0: Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
6: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other.
2: Hey, are you traveling to one of the big conference tourneys in Nashville or Minneapolis this March? Well, you should do yourself a favor and do what I do, which is stay at Graduate Hotels. You know, Bridgestone Arena and Target Center, their their hotels are both really close to the tournament venues, and they're obsessed with college sports just like me. Each Graduate Hotel is like a shrine to its hometown and the local college team, but in a good way. Lots of cool details for alumni, vintage sports throwbacks. Remember, you can book today, and here's how you do so. 30% off with the promo code Doug at graduatehotels.com.
14: Hey, guys. It's Rich Davis from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide open views with the whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. What
2: up, to Gottlieb show. Fox Sports Radio. So NBA teams are doing individual workouts. NFL teams, facilities, many of them are open. Major League Baseball continues to negotiate before they get back on the court. The NBA is expected to issue guidelines for player returns around June 1st. So I think the NBA is going to be online at or before the 4th of July, right? At or before the 4th of July. And As we told you, it, t- it takes a while to get them kind of up and, up and rolling, it really does. Um but i I think that there's a couple of things you need to just to put out of your mind i I like to call it gristle cutting. now, I know that the fat within the meat is what gives it the flavor, but if you've ever gone to a butcher and even when they get you the juiciest most marbled red eye ri- ribeye red eye ribeye right they, they do trim some of that fat off why? Because, and this is a grilling, you going to grill this weekend. I have a, my son's best friend's mom, uh, a single mom. And she posted, she posted that she just got her first gas grill. I know. I know gas grill. I know. We're going to moment do, right? What am I going to do? You know, you got Colin repping rec tech and you got, uh, Dan Patrick with, um, uh, Traeger. You know, by the way, we're open. If you want to hand us so I can hawk a grill, I am a grill dude. You know, Cowherd once a summer will have somebody else come over and use his grills. This guy right here, I am a grill master. I would guess how many days we've been on lockdown here. Is it 60 yet? It's like 50 something. I'm going to guess that 40 of the 50 days I have been on my grill. Either using wood chips or I like little old school charcoal. Man, there's nothing to like. You know, and yes, I may die from using charcoal. I have I, uh, human beings, hundred percent mortality rate, right? That's, that's what I found. I'm going to die. I'm going to die with some charcoal anyway. So my son's friend's mom posted that she just got her first grill and that she's learning how to use it. And she posted the meat and the meat had kind of a grayish hue to it. A grayish hue. Anybody a, a grill guy here? Ramos, are you a big grill guy? I do enjoy
6: to grill, but I am not a griller like you are.
2: Okay. If the meat is like a light grayish color, what is that a sign of? Uh
4: it's almost done. Mm.
2: <laughs>
4: I know if it's red, it needs to be cooked more.
2: Yes. Music, do you wanna do you wanna hop in here? It's a gas grill, grayish kind of meat. Okay.
7: Uh-huh. Um, I'm gonna phone a friend. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna call it my good friend
5: Dan Beyer.
2: Okay. Uh, let's go to Dan Beyer who joins us in the ATT guest line. Dan
5: I would say gray is well done.
2: If it was uh, in the middle. Yes, but maybe that's not that's not what I was shooting for. Oh. I mean, it wasn't in the middle, it was on the outside of it. Okay. If your meat is kind of like a grayish hue, oh, now, and- some of this uh, some of this can be if you marinate it as well, right? It has that hue. But generally, if it's cooked. And it's a grayish hue on the outside. It's a sign that you didn't have the grill hot before you lit before you put your meat down. Okay, Elijah, did you know that? You no, know? you guys know that. Like y- you want that puppy to be hot before you put it on the grill. You don't want the grill to warm up as your meat's on it. That is not the natural way of cooking it. Okay, anyway, grilling 101 from Gottlieb here. And yet yes, salt is in fact a spice. All you need sometimes some good Himalayan sea some Himalayan salt or some sea salt, and you're good to go. Anyway, um where was I going with the grill stuff? I'm trying to remember. Huh.
7: I normally help you out in this situation. Yeah. I <laughs> usually come to the rescue. I gotta be honest, not a clue where you were how going.
2: How'd I get to the grill stuff? Don't know. I know what we want to talk about. But I And I swear I was going down a path, and I, I have completely lost that path. You, you lost me. All right, here's Charles Barkley on Anderson. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. Why do you cut the gristle off? Why do you cut that extra fat off? You have a beautiful marbled red eye. Not like Wagyu, but like beautiful marbled red eye. Why does the butcher cut some of the, the excess fat off, even if the fat does make it taste better? Music, do you want to try this one?
7: It gets too chewy.
2: No, no buyer do you want to try this one sorry uh to uh why do they cut off the extra fat the excess why is it you need fat yeah in order to grill it but why do they cut off the excess fat you don't want it to be too fatty um
5: because it will uh the less fat will be able to render more easily you won't have a big uh, no. piece of
2: gristle no um, yeah no uh, i'll get ramos one last chance uh, maybe it keeps more of the flavor in if you, t- well, no, you just no. said the flavor makes no. the it. It catches yeah. on fire. Oh, <laughs> Jeez, okay? how big It burns is to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying the, the whole thing, but you can burn up a steak really easily because when the fat drips, then whatever you have, right. And it catches on fire and it can burn the good piece of the meat. If there's a, a magical mix there of the right amount of fat, that's how we need to look at coming back from the, of, from quarantine. Right cut out the gristle, cut out the fat. Here's one part of the fat argument made by Charles Barkley on Anderson Cooper on CNN.
12: I do not think it's safe. I would not want my kid until we know more uh, about what can happen. We we need to wait until we're closer to a treatment or a vaccine. Uh, but listen, money is going to run this thing. And that's really unfortunate.
2: Hmm. Mm. Well, I don't think it's purely about money. There's just a reasonable uh, amount of time in which we had the social distance, whether we hit that mark or not. We were told a long time ago that we need to flatten the curve, flatten the curve, right? Curve has been flattened, whether well, it's flattened enough or not. But here's a, the gristle argument is the vaccine. Gristle argument is the vaccine. Just Just, you got to cut that thing out because you're going to, it's going to burn all up. We all need to accept there is not going to be a vaccine in time to save, not just a college football season, but college campuses, right? Just, it it absolutely positively is not going to happen. Is not going to happen. So the first thing is, and this is really important, you know, it, you're not going to get a vaccine by the fall and frankly, likely by the winter. So if you're thinking that's part of your argument, it's a losing argument. Cut that fat off. Right. Cut that fat off. Additionally, additionally, now listen, additionally, you, you got to cut out the argument that, Hey man, let's just go back. Herd immunity. Everybody go back, get back out. It's our freedom as Americans to get back. Like, no, no. Cause that can, that can do damage. That was, we protected ourselves from like, look, are scientists always right? No. And they don't profess to be right. Like scientists, even when they have scientific proof, they'll tell you it's like 97% of the time. Right. And You're like, well, that's BS. Like, it's not. like, no, they're actually reasonable, thoughtful people. Like, look, when you look at a hurricane map and you have a hundred different possibilities, right? They understand that there's other factors that can make this big, massive storm change. You know? And so, thankfully, we don't have over a million people that are, at this point, going to perish from this. We have over 100,000 people. <laughs> That's in three months. That's too many. That's a lot. It's a pandemic. We're not the only country go- like right? Like, if we were the only ones shutting down, you'd be like, man, something's wrong with America. But we're not. So if you're going to start an argument, you can't start it with when we have a vaccine or don't, not going to have one. And you can't start it with the other side of the gristle, which is this is a hoax. It's 5G. It's only in 5G countries. It's not. Have you guys heard the 5G thing? So dumb. Yeah. You're overthinking it. Okay. It's not anybody trying to shut down any economy or ruin any sort of presidency or government. Whatever. No, It's just the government trying to protect us from us. That's it. Missouri MD Jim Sterk tells us uh, this from Paul Feinbaum. He was on a call with doctors today who advised that student athletes would be safer working out in a controlled environment of a campus instead of their hometowns. That's the uh, Doug Gottlieb belief, which has been my belief for the last month. It's just the reasonable nature, and I love and respect Charles Barkley, and I know that again, like Barkley, only is saying that because he don't want anybody to get sick, right? But we are not operating in an environment where you have two choices: bubble at home or cornucopia of germs at in college. That that's not what we're choosing between. At home, you still have to go out and get something to eat. You're going to go somewhere and work out. You're going to interact with people. Countries opening up. The germs, granted, you think it's only the germs of your hometown. Remember, people come into your town. No matter how small a town you are, you got Amazon, you got UPS, you got FedEx, you got people bringing their germs from elsewhere. As I have stated time and again, I am not Clay Travis telling you that this is some sort of hoax overblown Fauci doesn't know what he's talking about. I think they did what they thought was best and they probably saved us from the type of death toll that none of us are really willing to accept. Did we overprepare? Sure. Were, Were the hospitals not completely overwhelmed? Sure. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. And we'll slowly and smartly open up the economy. But, I will side with anybody who tells me, you know what? You have a college football, college basketball player. In addition to being in shape is the best way to fight this thing off. And the heat will kill this disease. will kill this virus for the most part in the summer. In addition to that, everyone in college sports knows the training, the food, the doctors, and frankly, the controlled environment is far better on a college campus than the uncontrolled environment in which all these players are going through at home. You're just going to have to start with the idea of, we're not going to stay locked down forever, but we're not going to fully open it up. And if you're waiting for a vaccine, you, you can't believe that we'll be back in school on any level, elementary, middle, high college until after Jan 1 at the earliest. So that's not going to happen. There's a reality to it. That's not about money. That's just about life getting underway and about how we've beaten all of these things.
3: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern,
0: noon Pacific.
2: Good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Go book your basketball stays at graduatehotels.com.
4: The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Ravs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. So, um, <laughs> I, I laughed. I laughed this
2: weekend. You guys knew what carry on Johnson is carry on. Johnson's a running back for the Detroit lions. And, um, remember he played at Auburn. I liked him first. I liked his name. Like, I was like, wow, that's really his name. Carry on Johnson. Like, yeah, that's his name. Uh, anyway, carry on Johnson. He's had, had been an injury plagued uh, career so far as he was drafted by and plays for the Detroit Lions. So over the weekend, <laughs> I was, I was watching and I thought, this is exactly what I thought. Um, carry on Johnson was, uh, basically, uh, was basically asked, you know, why he, you know, was, what was it? Um. I'm trying to think how it was worded. The Detroit Lions drafted another running back. That's basically what it is. And you know what happens when somebody drafts a running back, you start to get a little tight about it or whatever. DeAndre Swift is a supreme talent, and he was drafted in the second round, pick 35. So DeAndre Swift posted a video of him working out, and somebody tweeted at, Carry on, Johnson, you know, Hey, this dude's going to take your spot. And Carry on, Johnson tweeted, you know, that you'd be amazed at how many people work out without posting the video. Right. It is. I think, I think it was music. Help me out. Wasn't it? Um, you can't actually work out without posting the video. Something like that. I thought it's a great line, right? Which is how most of the NFL sees these workouts. Like I got it. You're, your basketball player's the same. Awesome. You're one on cone. You're amazing. All of these guys are working out different, different levels of intensity, but like, you know, mellow at that gym in New York where he's getting buckets. You're like, man, mellows getting after it. They're all you don't, none of these guys are sitting around just eating bonbons all summer. Yeah, he makes a lot of shots. You know why? He's a professional basketball player. They all make shots. and They're amazing. The worst shooters in the NBA, you play against them in a pickup game, and they never miss. You're like, what the hell? That's why they're pros. <laughs> so Cam Newton posted a video yesterday, another workout. And look, I can't tell you how many people we've had on. I'm like, man, I can't believe the Chargers didn't. I talked to the Chargers. And I know several people in their front office and their coaching staff and all of them were like, we were never into the Cam Newton thing. We have Tyrod Taylor, who likely less expensive. Well, they never got into talking money with him. Healthier, same age. He actually played in the playoffs a couple of years ago with the Buffalo Bills. So he's played and we know what he is. That's the big thing. What is it called? The It's called the uh, elevator uh, elevator pitch. You ever heard of the elevator pitch? Okay, the elevator pitch, um, by definition, an elevator pitch is a succinct and and persuasive sales pitch. Or as Colin Cowherd told me a long time ago, it's like, hey, if you're going to do a TV show or a podcast or whatever, a movie, two lines. Tell me what it is, and and I'll tell you if I'm interested. Right? That's the elevator pitch for TV or for movies. Can I ask you something? Give me the elevator pitch for Cam Newton. Give me the elevator pitch. Because if your elevator pitch is, he's this dynamic athlete, is he? He, He was, but before he hurt his shoulder, they were trying to make him into a drop back passer because he had taken such a beating as a runner. Is he a drop back passer? No, because he's not really accurate, nor is he a progression thrower, like what, what is he? You, you can't begin to build an offense around a guy who you don't know what he is. Not even factoring in, you don't know if he can stay healthy in whatever he is now. So we have to stop looking at Cam Newton through the lens of five years ago. Or every time a video comes out, you're like, man, Cam Newton's a, Cam Newton's going can't when Cam Newton is 65, seven years old, he's going to look like that. He is a world-class athlete who for a period of time was a world-class quarterback, but he has sustained so many injuries and he has not refined his skills. And there's not the system that he used to play while it's showing it can work in the NFL He doesn't really want or doesn't have the ability to play because he can't stay healthy and he's not the same guy he was five years ago. If you don't know who a guy is or what he can do, let alone if he's healthy or can stay healthy, we got to stop chasing after the ghost of Cam Newton past because that's not Cam Newton present.
3: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
2: Marcellus Wiley is dad dude, former star, defensive lineman in the NFL, now the star and co-host of Speak for Yourself, a show on Fox Sports 1 where he puts up with Jason Whitlock as we put up with him uh, <laughs> uh, yesterday. Most importantly, you got two little ones at home that you've been broadcasting from. Everybody healthy?
12: Oh yeah, everyone's healthy, man, and we have three little ones at home. I forgot you had, forgot you had. I forgot you
2: had. forgot you had the baby, right? I thought the baby was the second. My bad. The baby was the third. Uh, yeah, I
12: have three kids under the age of four. It's real around here. Training camp every day,
2: brother. Uh, it is. You guys have gone from man to zone. That's exactly what you've done with the with the <laughs> three at three at three against two. Um, uh, what 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 was what's your biggest takeaway from the last dance?
12: Oh, biggest takeaway, Um, well, one, I just thought that Michael Jordan should have stayed in this protected airspace of his greatness uh, pre-social media existence. He didn't have to deal with all the criticism that these athletes have to deal with on the daily. I thought his, his brand, him being an icon, spoke enough to us who still crave and hunger for him. Why do this? And if you're going to do this, then make sure you elevate all around you so you can look even greater than them. But I think he chose the alternate route of standing on some of their heads to show how big he is. And I don't think that it really served them any better, any well in doing so. a matter of fact, I think it introduced LeBron James into the conversation in a different way because of the likability. Not only can you win without being a killer like Kobe did or like MJ did, you can win like Bill... Bill Russell or Magic Johnson, deal with a smile, be a tremendous teammate. So there's many ways up to the top. But Michael Jordan chose his way. I understand that. And we have to respect his greatness. But I just think that he set a tone and he set an opportunity up for LeBron James to really introduce himself to this conversation fully.
2: Yeah, I, uh, it, this was my takeaway, though, was I know we want. Well, first, I don't know how you tell the st- score, story of Scottie Pippen without talking about You know, the migraine, the contract, um, not, you know, not putting, taking himself out of the game in 94. And, and Scotty was given a chance to, to clean things up. And he, he said he'd do it again. So I'm going to disagree with you in terms of like elevating others. He said, Scotty Pippen, there is no Jordan without Pippen. He said Pippen was the best, was the best teammate he ever had. So there's this sense that he tore down Pippen. But the truth is he was just honest about his feelings at the time. And in spite of that, he still loved Scottie Pippen and thought he was the best teammate he ever had.
12: Well, it's not just Scottie Pippen we're talking about, but let's stick to Scottie Pippen. Um, you know, it started off with him talking about his whole, all his teammates were on cocaine, chasing girls in the hotel room. Uh, one thing I learned as being a teammate, you always protect the guilty. That's one thing about being in a team atmosphere. We've all stepped in it, so don't act like you haven't ever stepped in it. And imagine if those same teammates or someone else wanted to start to air all the dirty laundry of your airiness. It'll be an issue. But the Scottie Pippen situation, it's not so much that he didn't talk about it. I love the expose of it. He talked about his own indiscretions and his own controversies. He talked about the gambling, the retiring, his father's death, everything that circled him. But he was allowed to give emotional content, and he was allowed final approval of what was said. Scottie Pippen wasn't given the same latitude, to give that emotional content. And who knows what else Scottie Pippen said that is on the cutting room floor. So being in that situation, just like Isaiah Thomas got sideswiped by the animosity that Jordan still holds for him 30 years later, a lot of people sat down in those chairs not knowing the totality of this project. His two close friends are the producers, and he has final say. It's a mockumentary at best. It's different.
2: Uh, all right, let, let's get to something which I know is near and dear to your heart. Uh, Clippers were a lot of people's favorite to win an NBA championship. How do you think yeah. this affects them? Let's say they get back, play ball in July, a couple of games, then go to the playoffs in the sterile environment of you know, of the milk house in, in Orlando. W- what does this do to your Clippers' chances of, of winning a title?
12: Yeah, uh, thankfully this situation hit everybody the same in terms of, It was a league-wide stoppage. Everyone had to shut it down. So uh, at least the effect will be universal. That said, we were an interesting team this year with the huge expectations. And then we won games, but we weren't playing optimal basketball. We weren't playing our best basketball, even with our record, even with us beating the Lakers two or three times, the best team in the West. We still didn't hit our stride to maybe the last 10 games in terms of chemistry, in terms of understanding where everyone's going to be and really honing in on your role. I think the last 10 games have felt that way, and then the stoppage. So I don't think we will have the most drastic effect, and it won't be so negative with the Clippers because they don't have a ton of muscle memory of the times that they were doing everything and hitting it in stride. I think the opposite effect may happen with the Lakers, who have so many memories and know what that feeling is of them just, being together and clicking and now the stoppage to try to get that back to try to create some form of momentum uh, after that standstill when they already had hit their stride sometimes that could be a haunting memory of oh I know how it felt I know when we were at our best and we're not there as everyone sputters to try and get back to normal so I think the Clippers will be fine I think it's just you know take a little notice that the Lakers who are playing insane basketball And this stoppage obviously has to hurt.
2: Will we consider this a legit championship if it's settled in the milk house in front of no fans? Uh,
12: I don't know. We will, but flip the W over. Me, I will because I know how hard it is to play any sport. Whether if it's shortened for all of us, 99 basketball season in the Spurs, some people still want to say asterisk, not me. I'm a guy that says, look, we all have to suffer through the same situation. And right now, the circumstances dictate that it may be a shortened season, certainly already interrupted. Once they resume and play playoff basketball, crown a champion, I'm not going to look at that ring that they attain with one less diamond or one less carrot. I think that they would have went out there. And serve this purpose of being champion. So, not for me, but I understand it's going to be a conversation and an argument.
2: Marcellus Wiley, that dude, of course, former star defensive lineman in the National Football League, turned broadcaster extraordinaire. You see him on Speak for Yourself uh, every day on Fox Sports One alongside uh, Jason uh, Jason, uh, Jason Whitlock. Um, okay, Dak Prescott supposedly mm. supposedly says, "Hey, you want you want a fifth year? I want forty five million that fifth year." There's some disputing what the actual numbers are. What's your evaluation of the value of Dak Prescott?
12: Wow, oh, it's funny, man. I mean, look, former player in me like the value is what they're going to give you, right? Uh, I felt I felt weird when I made more money than Bruce Smith and Junior Seau, but I took it, and those guys <laughs> congratulated me and taking it uh, because you you do feel that responsibility of always trying to raise the bar because it helps everyone. All tides will raise all the boats. That said. This situation is getting a little too expensive if, if this report is true. Listen to how they're saying five years, 175 in, in this situation or Dak Prescott, and he's balking at that. I'm going under the assumption that this report is true. Now, my teammates to say sometimes you could get a little too Gucci, and getting too Gucci is getting a little too expensive. You're getting a little too high on yourself. And that's where I think Dak is starting to flirt with, being a little too Gucci, especially when they already have the Gucci knockoff on the roster in Andy Dalton for the cheap. $3 million, $7 million with all his incentives. So be careful if you're Dak Prescott. The NFL stands for not for long because they always try to find a comparable production at a cheaper cost. So he has to be careful there. But let me argue for Dak Prescott. If I'm CAA, if I'm DAC, a fifth year $45 million, you have to rewind time two years ago when Jimmy G was the highest-paid quarterback at $27 million. You fast-forwarded now, that's at $35 million. In two years, $8 million increase to the top dollar at quarterback. So let's go two more years. That's another eight. So now we're at 43. Let's go another two more years. Now we're at 51. Let's add four for that fifth year. $55 million Maybe the new ceiling five years from now for our franchise quarterback and Dak and his agency and representation is looking at that number. You have to understand where they're coming from in that perspective. That's why I think they want a shorter deal to get this done.
2: That's an amazing way of looking at it. I, I would tell you that I think it's a great, it's interesting in terms of the rate of increase. We don't know what it looks like coming out of the pandemic and how that affects budgets Great. and how that affects numbers, right? I mean, he may have timed out right. perfectly only to, only to have timing work against him, but it's going to be really interesting. Uh, my, my last thing is this. The last day you do a show at home before you go back to studio, shouldn't you do it from the hot tub?
12: <laughs> if I had the body I had 20 years ago. I certainly would, but it's funny. I've done some Instagram lives and stuff, up, yep. and it's it, it, look, the water is damn near on my lips. I'm, I'm covering so much of my body in that water, submerging it, so people don't see what happened to me over the years. But, man, I, look, there's silver linings in this situation. I'm sorry it's not universal for everyone, but we're all responding to this pandemic and the shutdown and the stay-at-home orders differently. And to tell the truth, our job, doing it in your backyard – Versus going to the studio, going through the traffic, et cetera. It's easier to do it at home. Am I going to be mad we have to go in? Absolutely not. But I certainly am enjoying the blessing of just going out the back back door and just hitting it and going to work.
2: Awesome stuff. Uh, take care of those three little kids. Uh, enjoy the zone defense, and we'll talk to you later.
12: <laughs> All right, man. Take care, Doug. One of All the right. best guys
2: in the business, Marcellus Wiley, dad, dude. Find a guy that has something bad to say about Marcellus. They don't exist. Don't exist. Uh, Sim Hill is the heir apparent. Well, what do we think about that? We'll tell you next.
3: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career.
7: The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need.
0: Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
6: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury
8: Sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places.
2: Every day at this time, the Doug Gottlieb Show, we try and get you a portion of a previous show on Fox Sports Trader or Fox Sports One, we call it. And now. <laughs>
1: What's up, the Fox Saints?
10: Nick Wright,
2: first things first, talking about Taysom Hill being the next franchise quarterback in NOLA.
10: I am doubting everyone within the Saints that thinks this is viable or a plausible option. Some facts about Taysom Hill. When the next NFL season starts, he'll be 30 years old. He will go into his age 30 season with his career high for pass completions in a game being at 1. He's literally never completed more than one pass in any game, and he's only completed 7 passes including the playoffs in his career.
2: And <laughs> Look, I I understand that this is um, this is really uncharted territory, right? You got uncharted territory for a guy to be a gadget player for a good chunk of time, and then all of a sudden be a starting quarterback in the NFL and be one with the New Orleans Saints. How old was Kurt Warner when he started his first game with the St. Louis Rams? Kurt Warner was 28 years old. He had played in one game and thrown 11 passes in 1998. In 1999, Mark Bolger was supposed to be the starting quarterback, wasn't he? Of the St. Louis Rams. He got, no, it's Trent Trent Green. Excuse me, Trent Green was supposed to be the starting quarterback. Trent Green got hurt. And uh, Kurt Warner, in the greatest show on turf, threw 41 touchdown passes, and he hadn't had a touchdown pass before it. Now, again, that doesn't mean he's going to be Kurt Warner. He's going to be different. He will be a Lamar Jackson type, and they believe he's a bigger, stronger, better throwing version of of, uh, Lamar Jackson. Now, do I know he can do it? I, I don't. He was a very good college quarterback at BYU, dual threat quarterback at BYU. And he is a spectacular athlete. But this doesn't matter what Doug Gottlieb thinks or, frankly, what Nick Wright thinks or what any of you think the, the guy who swears by him, the guy who is, who is creating this Avenue for um, Taysom Hill to be the starting quarterback of the New Orleans saints is Sean Payton. Sean Payton has forgotten more about offensive football than all of us will know combined. Like, does that mean that he's going to kill it, that he's going to nail it? no, no, Pete Carmichael's our offensive coordinator, right? It's his 12th season as offensive coordinator, tutoring the quarterbacks in the first three years of the club. So, Pete Carmichael is a guy who knows a thing or two about what it takes to be a quarterback. Joe Lombardi, who, by the way, went to the Air Force Academy. You think he knows a little bit about option football, but this is his 12th season with the offensive staff. So all of these guys have signed off on it. Carmichael, Lombardi, Sean Payton. Right? And by the way, um you know, Pete Lombardi was with the Detroit Lions when Matt Stafford had his record-setting year throwing the ball to Calvin Johnson. So look, these guys have been around the league. They've had Sean Payton was the one who who discovered Tony Romo at Eastern Illinois. He wasn't drafted, took him as an undrafted free agent, but he was the one who stood on the table and believed in him. He's tried to get him to New Orleans several times over. It doesn't matter what we think, What what you're telling us is. And again, Nick's not the only one with this thought and he makes some really good points. But what you're telling us is that because you haven't seen it happen, you don't believe that it can ever happen. And what they're saying is like, look, the guy knows every position. He's going to know our offense. We've been able to develop him. If he was on the normal path, normal track of coming out of college, remember he played six years because he got hurt so much. He needed those couple of years to develop to for his body to to heal up. Now it is healed. This isn't a dude who can't throw. Hey, by the way, Rich Gannon, you know what he came to the NFL as? What was he drafted into the NFL as? A defensive back by the Minnesota Vikings. Right? He was drafted as a defensive back. Later on in his career, he became the MVP of the NFL when he was developed by John Gruden. And if you remember, the year after the Super Bowl, Gruden had already left, and they got embarrassed in the Super Bowl. He got hurt. The second he got hurt, the roof fell in with the Oakland Raiders. So, I don't know of Taysom Hill. I can't wait to see it. I do think this is a wave of the future is finding quarterbacks that can run some zone read that can play 11 on 11 football and that, Oh yeah, by the way, can also throw it. And I think he can spin it, but it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what Nick Wright thinks. The guys who have seen Taysom Hill for the last three years and coached him and know what they want to do and how they want to evolve that offense, believe in him. And if you see a guy every day, and you believe in him, God bless you. That's what the Fox said. Ah! What does the Fox say? Does that makes sense? Am I making sense to you there, uh, um, uh, Rhyme Music?
7: Yeah, it uh, makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, is it fair to say, hey, I have some doubts about how effective he may be because we haven't seen him do it in the NFL? Yeah, I could understand why you may have your doubts, but I largely agree with you in the sense that, Either Sean Payton is pulling off the greatest hoax in the NFL in a long time by swearing that Taysom Hill is their next guy going back to when we talked to him at the Minnesota Super Bowl, or he truly believes that he can be a franchise quarterback and they're going to completely remake the team around him unlike a team that they had surrounding Drew Brees.
2: I'm with you. I'm with you. It'll be a different look. It'll be a different team, have a different feel. And my guess would be that if this is Drew Brees' last year, you'll see more of Taysom Hill this year in terms of throwing the football. They started breaking out that red zone package just two years ago, and they've, they've developed it. It's really kind of cool what they've done. All right, coming up next, we got a lot of things still to get to. Ooh. Um, Ken Rosenthal next hour. Plus, please stop trying to make all-time greats into normal people. I'll explain next in the Doug Gottlieb Show.
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
2: What up, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. Doug Gottlieb Show rolls on. We had Marcellus Wiley. We had Brandon Wheedon. If you missed any of those interviews, uh, download the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. It's available every day. Every single day. Every day. Um, and <laughs> I I, I want to invite you to do something here. We, we like to look at other people through a lens that we can relate to, right? Oh, that reminds, reminds me of my Uncle Jimmy, right? Ah, oh, it reminds me of Uncle Jimmy. My Uncle Jimmy was like that, always talking about the past. Ah, oh, it reminds me of like, no, 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 no. And I mean this in regards to Michael Jordan coming off of the last dance. There are people that are pushing back against Jordan saying, why is he doing this? Marcellus Wiley joined us. You know, why is, why is Jordan? It should be just all positivity. Huh? Excuse me. Would anybody ever watch that? An all positivity look back at a championship team would be the worst documentary and uh, least representative documentary of the time. Do, do I think the Last Dance was perfect? I, I don't. I don't. There was some there was some flaws to it. Some of the episodes kind of meandered around. Some of the backstories weren't told. You know it, it. would have been would have been interesting to me. Carmelo and John Stockton were both on the Dream Team. They did talk to Stockton about the Finals, but when talking about the Dream Team, those two were never brought up. Did they? Did those two establish? Did those three establish a relationship or four? Establish a relationship during the Dream Team. How did that play out? In if everything is. Backstory, backstory, backstory so that we understand all that's going into the 98. That's how I read it. Well, there were certain backstories that were important that weren't told. And there were certain ones that weren't important that were told. It was a mix of a Michael Jordan documentary with a Bulls docu- Bulls explanation documentary uh, where you got backstories on some of the important pieces. So, I look at this thing and I'm like, wow, that was kind of a mixed bag there. Was it perfect? No. Part of it is the guy who possessed the rights to use that footage happened to be the greatest player of all time. Gets a little tricky. Now, could Jordan have said, Hey, I'll do all your interviews. I don't want any creative control. You do what you want with it. Yeah, he could have, but have you, You ever watch the show Billions, the very first episode? What what does Bobby Axelrod say? What's the point of having fu money if every once in a while you don't say F you? What's the point of holding on to that footage and the rights of that footage for over 20 years if you're not going to use some of your power and influence so that, you know, you don't talk about everything that you don't want to talk about. They talked about Jordan's gambling. We may not have liked what the answer or how they came at, but they, they talked about it. Talk about Jordan quitting and playing baseball. I thought it was kind of laughable that they tried to put some, you know, heart on the, uh, to dot an eye with, uh, you know, he actually he hit over 200. It was amazing. Like, no, it really wasn't. He wasn't good. There is a bunch that goes into it but let's just kind of take a breath here and go, okay, did you enjoy watching it? Yes. Did you learn something? Yes. Did they talk about all of the major stuff with the team? Yes. Yes. And yes, I can't believe Jordan would act that way or talk that way or treat his teammates that way. You know why you don't understand that? Because you are not wired like one of the great athletes of all time. And, And that doesn't mean it's the only way. Tim Duncan is not Jason Kidd, is not Kobe Bryant, is not LeBron James, is not, they're not. But when we try to psychoanalyze all of these people and make them relatable to you and me, what we're missing is that dude is a killer. He's almost deranged in his desire to win games. Deranged. It reminds me of the old uh, fable of the scorpion and the frog. Scorpion can't swim, right? So he needs to get to the other side. He asks the frog, can I hop on your back? And you swim across the frog looks at him and says, but you'll sting me. You'll kill me. And if you sting and, and the the scorpion says, hold on, I just want to ride. If I sting and kill you, We'll both die. So the frog thinks about it for a second and says, it's a good point. It's a good point. Hop on. Halfway between one shoreline and the next, the scorpion stings the frog. And the frog turns around and says, well, why why would you do that? As they both are about to perish. The scorpions can't swim and the frog was going to die. And the scorpion replies, I couldn't help it. It's in my nature. I'm a scorpion. We want Michael Jordan to be something that he's not. We want him to be a guy that sits there and goes, you know, that wasn't the right way. Can't believe I acted that way. I wish I would have had greater balance. Wish. But one, he won all the time. So why would he do it any differently? He's crazy successful, crazy respected. His brand is synonymous with sport and championships and basketball. He's worth more than the owner of the Chicago Bulls, and he owns his own basketball team. You're asking Michael Jordan, essentially a Scorpion, to be something that he's not. He can't. He can't. And, and frankly, we want Carl Malone. Like I, I heard Carl Malone talking, and I was like, man, that's a little off. That's a little weird. Take a listen.
8: So when I say the name Michael Jordan, what comes to mind?
2: Michael
9: Jordan. Michael Jordan.
8: Well, what, is, like what else I need to say?
9: Thank you. Go ahead.
8: So talk to me about the Game 6 Finals in Utah when he stole the ball.
9: Why? Why do I have to? But i tell you this. I'm all man, and I accept the responsibility for not winning anymore. and we was there. We just happened to be playing the Chicago Bulls, which wasn't just Michael Jordan, by the way. And i have the utmost respect for michael but i never thought i was playing michael jordan i was playing the chicago bulls you know everybody say this person was a bad man and all that well yes i give them respect i'm a man and i was a bad too so that's how i look at that and and that's who i am maybe in my older years i can call it that bluntly but i'm just calling it like i see it
2: um yeah, I, I mean, look, there's there's part of that which I totally get. Look, I, he was a badass. I was a badass. I'm okay, I'm okay saying that. I wish I would have won. I take responsibility. I mean, I understand what he's saying. Don't you just wish he could have been more like? He says he'd be about being straightforward. I wish he would have been actually more understandable, or relatable to me. But then I think back and I think, well, Carl Malone w- was was wired as a guy who thought he could score on anybody. Thought he was a badass was in fact, he's the second all time leading scorer in the history of the NBA. Asking him to act a different way when this is what he had achieved such professional success with is laughable. You're asking a Scorpion to be something that he's not. You're asking him to bend the knee and bow down to Michael Jordan. And that is not in his nature. It's just not it. it, it by the way, you know, Paul Pierce has caused uh, quite an uproar because he didn't have him as one of the top five players of all time. Now Le- LeBron James is, excuse me, Paul Pierce's cause quite an uproar because he didn't have LeBron James listed as one of the five best players of all time. I can tell you that there are a lot of former NBA players and some current NBA players, but former NBA players like he's just not wired like those other guys. Yes. Larry Bird loved to pass, was a great passer. But Larry Bird was a ferocious trash talker and wanted the ball and wanted the responsibility of making all the big plays at the at the right moment. While LeBron's block is, is the greatest maybe defensive play in the history over Andre Godala, in the history of the NBA Finals, the greatest defensive play in NBA playoffs history is probably Larry Bird stealing the ball that Isaiah Thomas inbounded. They were going to lose at home. The Pistons were going to beat them in Boston Garden. They were going to lose the series and Bird stole the ball and passed to DJ who laid the ball in. Bird was unrelatable. Bird was slightly aloof. Bird was of the same elk like a psychotic killer of a of a of a winner as Kobe as Jordan but not as LeBron. So I I don't like the I don't I, I do think there's some personal animus there for Paul Pierce, who, by the way, is also wired like those guys. But we're asking Paul Pierce to turn off his competitive gene, a guy he thought he was better than whether he was or wasn't it doesn't matter. Like you're talking to Paul Pierce who like, look, I've played against him. I think I'm better than him. I don't think he's one of the five greatest players of all time. Like we're asking Paul Pierce to be something is not. If you're that type of competitor your entire life. Then all of a sudden, you're supposed to turn off the competitive juices so you can analyze players, many of whom you've never seen play. That's not going to happen.
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
2: Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Buyer, I have a question for you. I know you're doing other stuff, and I, I apologize for... Slamming the brakes on on you prepping okay, for, uh, all right. for for everything else you have Still to do. Don't mind my typing. It's, all um, it's okay if you can type into this. That, that's cool. <clears throat> um, NBA lockout seasons. Yes. Okay. Which years were they? 99 and 2011. Okay. Of what um, I
5: can remember.
2: Right, right, right. Um, in 2011, 2011, the season began on Christmas Day. People forget about that, right? 99, it began in January, and uh, 99 was the first year, obviously, without Jordan. Who was the champion? The Spurs. Do you remember what Phil Jackson said about them? Um, not uh, verbatim. Right. But basically, he said, not a true champion. Yes. Right? Correct. Okay. Um, do you remember who won the 2011 championship? Uh,
5: 2011, Mavericks. And then the 2012 was the Heat, right?
2: Uh yes. Twenty. So 2012 yeah. was the Heat. I, have you noticed? No one said that about the Heat with their lockout short. Like they want a lockout shortened season. No one said that. Correct. So it's it's really interesting. Um, okay, so this season you had 60. As you accurately point painted, they want to get 70 games in. Some teams are like 62, 63. Some are like 67. They want to get basically a couple of games in. They can't call them exhibition games. But they want to have kind of exhibition games, get it to a nice, even number of 70, and then get to the playoffs, right? Yep. So 70 games is way more than 50 they played in 99. But because we slam the brakes in the season for what will be three and a half months by the time we get back up and rolling, and then we'll be playing in a true neutral environment, I think that's actually the best part. Like this is what the NCAA tournament kind of sort of wanted to be which is let's put them in a true neutral environment, just find out who the best teams are. The problem is that we, there is no correlation between season and playoffs now. Um, I just wonder if we are in the short term or long term ever going to believe this is a true champ. Is it, I I have a belief here, but how do you think we're going to judge uh, who wins it? I believe,
5: and I, I hope this answers your question. But I believe that if a shortened playoffs was instituted, it would be about a hundred times worse than '99 or what ended up being the 2012 champions, for the simple fact of the the path that they took. Um, so, I, th- I think it's I think it's imperative for the NBA to have a full playoff where you have a seven game series instead of, um, and still sacrifice the 12 regular season games. But I, I think that because of the situation where we are, most people would understand and I think be
2: okay. Um, I'm not saying we'll be okay with it. I think we'll all be okay with it. I'll watch it. I'm saying, you know, 10 years from now, we're going to look back and Lakers, Clippers, whoever wins it, will we say, yeah, that was the that was the pandemic short season. If the playoffs
5: so. are fully intact, even if they're on neutral court. and And, 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 and I... I think that the 70 games will be fine. I think the backlash you could see is if you had to do best of threes or best of fives. I think that the 70, though, would be fine that you wouldn't even remember it. Mm.
2: Mm. Um, I, I Can I tell you what I think? Sure. I mean, it is the Doug Gottlieb show, I guess, right? I think it's going to depend on who wins it. Really? Yeah. Like, if we have Lakers and Clippers in the Western Conference Finals, you know, and one of those teams win, and then, you know— uh, like let they play the Bucks in the championship, like yeah, I I kind of th- I think it'll depend on who wins it. It depends on who wins it. And and look, I believe I, I you know we don't do it. Toronto won last year. Toronto's going to claim a cha- And the, the Golden State kind of some some similar happened when Golden State won their first title. Right? We do occasionally bring up that Golden State played against the Cavs without Kyrie after the end of Game One, and Kevin Love never played. But we don't. That's not we still say three championships mm-hmm. in four years. Right. When we talk about the three games to one comeback by the Cavs, we always leave out Andrew Bogut getting hurt. It was a really important part of the team. But we do remember that Draymond Green got suspended. That that helped trigger things. Um But you know, I, I look at it and I, I think to myself, last year, Toronto, yeah, they won in six, but Kevin Durant played like half of one game. And then everyone outside of Steph Curry got hurt and Golden State still almost forced a game 7. And right? it was it was re- legitimately that close. So I, I but I don't think we're going to look back at because they beat Golden State and because Toronto had been good previously because of their record, I think we'll view it as a legit championship and it is a legit championship, but they didn't play the Warriors at even close to full strength I I can definitely see what you're saying and I think for and you say
5: for whoever wins it I mean we're always harder on LeBron or the Lakers or that brand I do think that if Giannis wins it in Milwaukee Kawhi wins it with the Clippers I think that their situation could be remedied Doug by Spurs situation where when the Spurs ended up winning their other titles I think it validated 1999 where it wasn't just the one-off for those three years, but then when they come back and and uh, win in, what, 2003 and then 05 and 07, I believe, were the years, mm-hmm. when they win those titles, then you're saying, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, now it's legitimate. But when in 1999 and 2000 and then the Lakers go to win three, you're like, oh, that's the one-off. But I do think that the Spurs validated their titles by winning more titles, and I think whoever, if it was a Giannis or Kawhi situation, specifically really Giannis, where if then the Bucs would win others with him there, then that would solidify and make this one a a legitimate championship if they were to win it.
3: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
2: All right, let's welcome in uh, Ken Rosenthal, MLB on Fox, the Athletics uh, Insider as well. Ken, uh, where are we in the labor dispute um, with with baseball trying to get back into action?
15: Well, Doug, that's a good question. Basically, right now, they're negotiating on two fronts, health and safety, and all the protocols that will have to be in place for the games to resume, and then this area they have not started negotiating on, but they're going to have to, it appears, economics, and will players take a further reduction in salaries? That's what the owners want. The players don't want that to happen. They've already agreed to prorated salaries, so... If you play half a season, they get half their salaries. They feel that's more than enough, considering that they'll be taking the risk of playing. So that's where we are. Those two things have to be resolved. Loose deadline of June 1st, and we'll see.
2: What do you think? What's your gut tell you?
15: My gut tells me they get it done. And there's no choice, really. Because if you go dark for 18 months and don't play this year, and then go dark for 18 months, that's what would happen, obviously that would suck the life out of your sport. The financial losses would be hurtful to the owners. The lost year would be devastating to a lot of players. And it's just a bad outcome. You'd be taking your sport into a place worse than you did in 94, 95 when you had a strike.
2: I I guess what the MLBPA is concerned with is the upcoming CBA negotiations. And like, listen, we don't want to make this a precedent, right? We don't want to, we, we don't want a salary cap in the, in the future. So we can't have one in the presence In the, the present is there, it is there, do they have the ability to make this as only a temporary, de- temporary deal and not plant that seed for the future?
15: So I don't believe that they're going to agree to a revenue sharing plan at all. In fact, it's possible that dates baseball after entertaining the idea does not even bring it to the players because it receives such a strong and immediate poor reaction from them. I expect they will ask the players to take a pay cut, but through some other mechanism other than a 50, 50 revenue split.
2: Why, why won't they, why, why, why why will, they? are they so dead set against it?
15: It's philosophical in the sense that they believe it is essentially the equivalent of a salary cap when you have a revenue split like that. And it also, in their view, I'm just giving their view, Mm -hmm. is essentially a pay reduction that they don't want to agree to. Now, you can make the case, looking at it from the other side, that this situation alone in 2020, it would be wise to revenue share. The players might come out better if there is a season with a postseason because they get the share of the postseason revenue. But again, this is the one union that has held out through all the years while the NHL, NFL, and NBA have gone to salary caps, baseball has not, and it is a very strong feeling among the players that they're not going to do that.
2: Hmm. It's it's uh, it's, it's really this is a very important negotiation for Tony Clark, is it not? I mean, like, look, I I get. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, when you're replacing Donald Fear, who seemed to win everything, and the sense is that they lost last time around, and you're setting mm-hmm. the kind of the table for these negotiations, which are ongoing in addition to the negotiations of getting back. This is like Tony Clark has to, has to be strong in these, has to appear at least to be strong, correct?
15: Well, that's part of the problem, actually, that because they got hammered in the last deal, in the perception of many, including myself, they can't afford to have that happen again. And when you have that kind of history and when you're reacting to that kind of history, that leads you, perhaps, in this case, to be more hardline than you normally would, and perhaps that works out well for the union. Perhaps they win this because the owners are desperate to play, and they just say, in the end, you know what? We'll give you your prorated salaries. Maybe we want something else as a concession. The other way, I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. The previous deal, the one that they reached March 27th, that supposed to supposedly set the landscape for this year, though it proved not to. That to me seemed like a pretty fair deal. Players won on service time, owners won on salary. Problem with that deal was it left open this economic feasibility language that they're not fighting now. Now fighting about, and that's created problems. So basically, they can't even agree on what they agreed upon.
2: Yeah. So they, for for people who aren't paying attention, they're like, wait, didn't the players agree to a cut? They did, but the the owners believe, and there's memos that and and emails that they've written to the players even when this was agreed to, that was like, Hey, look, we don't think we ever want to have a season without fans in the stands. But if we do have fans in the stands, we're going to have to make a further adjustment. Is that, is that accurate?
15: Right. That's the issue. And if you read the language in the agreement, I've written about this quite a bit and others have as well. It seems to give MLB the option or the ability to say to the union, Hey, it's not economically feasible to play in empty parks for any length of time. That's why we need to have a further negotiation. The union claims no, 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 no. We set the prorated salaries in that deal. A deal is a deal, and we're not going back on that. That is the core of the economic dispute. But, Doug, we shouldn't ignore also the health issues. Now, I believe we'll agree on that. It won't be as contentious, but. That initial 67-page document that baseball sent to the union, there are going to be a lot of adjustments to that. The union sent back a counter proposal today, and that's going to take a lot of work, too. So there's a long way to go here, and the economic part is the greater issue. It's more contentious by far, but there's a lot to accomplish in basically a week's time, a little over.
2: Hmm. Ken Rosenthal joining us on the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox sports radio. Uh, Okay. So let's assume that in that week's time, they get it done to your best guess. What does a baseball, again, assuming they get the economics done, what is it actually, what does the, the sport actually look like this year in terms of the divisions where they play and how the games are, you know, and, and the rules that they put in place.
15: 82 game season teams mostly playing in their home parks to start off with. There might be a few that play in alternate sites or even their spring training sites, depending on the conditions in their states. The schedule would be regionalized. So an AL East team would play only against the AL East and NL East. An NL West team would play only against the NL West and AL West. There would be an expanded postseason. There would be a DH in both leagues, And there would be some other rules changes I expect, such as the extra inning rule in which a tie game in the 12th inning, you put a runner on second to start the inning in the hope of getting the game done and not going 19 or 20. And with a shortened spring training here with playing so many games now and kind of a jam-packed schedule, you're going to try to, as a sport, make it as easy physically on the players as possible. So, People will say, well, that's not baseball. I don't want to watch this kind of baseball. Well, guess what? It's this or it's nothing. So I kind of would like to watch this and some of these things that they talked about experimenting with over the years. Try them out in this season. This season carries an asterisk no matter what and see what goes.
2: Uh, Tom Glavin said that players will lose the PR battle similarly to you know, the, the, the strike year. What do some star players think about what's really going on? Players want
15: to play, but at the same time, they want to protect their rights as well. And you've seen some quotes, not just Blake Snell, who, of course, was quite outspoken, but other players as well. And it's pretty clear to me. They want to play, but they don't want, as a group, to agree to pay cuts. Now, there are some that are quite strong on that, and there are others who would be in a more compromising mindset. Obviously, it's all going to play out. There are 1,200 union members, and they're going to have to agree on something, and we'll see how that goes in the week ahead.
2: Ken, great stuff, man. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Wish it was uh, listening to you and watching you cover Major League Baseball instead. We'll just wait. I guess it's to the next national holiday, 4th of July. We'll expect to see you doing the same. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Doug. Take care. Hi. Ken Rosenthal does an incredible job for Fox Sports and the athletic covering all things Major League Baseball. One NBA star is getting a head start in the competition. I'll share those details next.
3: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
2: I don't know who that is in the seven car, but with 52 laps to go, he's leading the uh, Darling, the, the today's race at Darlington, which, of course, was moved around because of weather. Uh, now Briscoe is uh, retaking the lead. All right, so I know Briscoe. Um you know the one thing about NASCAR is they do it they do a really good job of covering it. Now I, I understand that it's uh you know it it's kind of hard to get a feel for how fast they're going, but I mean like the leaderboard constantly changing and you know the ability to see things that you don't see, I don't know, they do it it's a it's a very well covered sport. Let, let's get to the press.
3: The press.
2: How many of the guys who are racing do you actually know their name? Well, Doug, this is the Xfinity race, so
5: a lot fewer. Oh. Yeah, the, oh. the Cup Series did take place last night. Denny Hamlin won
2: that. Oh. I know Denny Hamlin's name.
5: Yeah, Denny Hamlin had
2: the face mask of his face. Did you see that? I did. <laughs> I did. And um, I thought it was kind of kind of creepy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well- <laughs> is chase briscoe is leading right now chase is 25 years old from mitchell indiana chase briscoe
5: you'll have some you know kyle bush is racing in this you'll have some cup series guys in but there's uh yeah a lot more guys that it would be difficult for me to name in the xfinity series How about this, Doug? We were talking about the NBA playoffs and the season being compromised because of coronavirus. The NHL has a a plan, a two-hub plan where you'd have two cities hosting games where the NHL would have a 24-team playoff. Yes, a 24-team Stanley Cup playoff. Essentially, the top four teams in each conference would get buys, but then you would see five against 12, six against 11 from the conference, and then have those winners move on to what would then be a 16-team bracket. But 24 teams in all could be uh, skating for the NHL playoffs out of the 31 in the league. Hmm. Did you like that? Did you like that for the NBA? Just say, hey, Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, you guys get a pass, but all these other teams have got to play games. No, against I, the I Hawks would actually and...
2: prefer to see them play. I, here's what I think they should do I like pool play into a tournament. Pool play into a tournament. And then, yes, I like the big, and I, I don't mind if everybody qualifies for the tournament. And then uh, you really want to reward and get those teams right, you know, who are the one seeds. So you have, what, uh, 30 NBA teams? Mm hmm. Okay, so 30 NBA teams, you have six pools of five teams. That was my math. Or you could do five pools of six teams if you want. Yeah, do five pools of six teams. That way you play 10 games overall, right? And then you go into a tournament. Or you could just do, play everybody once. So 16, you know, and then you have, then you seed it. Then you do a tournament. And yeah, you're going to have to have buys, I would guess. Maybe the top four teams get buys. But I don't mind those one seeds getting a chance to play and work out some of the kinks. They're going to dominate the bad teams anyway. Lakers
5: forward LeBron James held private workouts with a teammate or two during the pandemic. This, according to The Athletic, who also said some Clippers players have done the same. All players were tested for COVID-19 before taking part in those workouts.
2: Yeah, I wonder where it was. Lakers facility is shut down. Maybe Sierra Canyon where his son plays. Uh, you know, there's that gym in Beverly Hills. That is the replica of the, for, of the the, uh, the what's it called, center? Um, Staples? Staples Center, yeah. Exact replica of the floor. Mm. And they have the NBA teams actually do walkthroughs there. I would guess that's where they did it. Some
5: news in the NFL. Chief owner Clark Hunt spoke with 105.3 The Fan in Dallas and says that contract negotiations with quarterback Patrick Mahomes will begin this summer. Oh, yeah, begin this summer. That doesn't mean they're done. No. Right? Yeah, it doesn't mean they're done could be uh could be far apart uh, the yeah. the contract situation with Dak Prescott getting interesting after the Chris Sims report from NBC Sports is saying that Dak wanted 45 million dollars or more in the fifth year ESPN and the NFL Network say that the only d- discussions between Dak and the Cowboys have been on the length of the deal Cowboys want a longer contract Dak wants a shorter deal
2: Yeah I mean like look they're still talking you got till July 15th I I think that both sides are leaking this stuff out Do I think Dax asks are ridiculous? Yes. But the Cowboys, you know, look, you you could just shut down and not negotiate with them and just go like, you know what, honestly, we're done here. You're just going to play in the franchise tag. And if you don't want to show up, we got Andy Dalton. You could do that. I just, it's Jerry Jones. You feel like he's eventually going to give in. A nine-part series focused on Tom
5: Brady's nine trips to the Super Bowl will air next year on ESPN as Brady's 199 Productions Company will help co-produce that series
2: mm. well obviously it would be made more powerful if he gets to another super bowl i'm more interested in watching this lance armstrong yeah me too I'm, I'm reading actually about it right now forged a birth certificate to make him older so he could compete in triathlons when he's a kid i don't think he talks about the ten thousand lies um and uh he said this is a great one nobody dopes and is honest you're not the only way you can dope and be honest, Is if, ever, if anybody ever asks you, which is not realistic, the second somebody asks you, you lie. It, it might be one lie because you answer it twice. Or in my case, it might be 10,000 lies. You answer it 10,000 times. Finally, getting the truth of Lance Armstrong is pretty cool. Wow, should be interesting. That's the press.
3: Hey, get out there and press. That was the press.
2: I am interested in it. I'll be honest. My, my, I thought he was lying all the time. I, I, this is one of those I was on the right side of history. Right? And people, people would always say, well, he almost died of cancer. Like, well, one, do we know how he almost got cancer? How he got cancer? And two, if once you've seen death, you don't fear it nearly as much. Right? Anyway, excited for that documentary. And excited for tomorrow. John Middlecoff, Brock Huard, um, and Tom Verducci on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Infinity presents
6: a new chapter in luxury.
4: Let's go places.
6: Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro.
7: Billie's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like,